I view eating local as a way of voting and changing the world, so I put my money where I want to see the change, and food is a great way to do it. Hey, what's up? This is Culture Hustlers, where we talk about the value of culture. Why do we open up our wallet for culture? Who makes that happen? Today's episode, $9 jar of pickles. The most delicious of all the cultural industries, food, specifically local food products, locally grown, locally made, locally consumed. But how much would you pay for local food? Would you pay more? Why? Why not? We asked over 100 people that question, and we'll hear their answers in a few minutes. But first, I'm your host, Lucas Spivey. I'm a BFA MBA, and I ramble across the U.S. picking up stories of culture and commerce, and I share them to you through documentaries, case studies, and this podcast. I record all these stories in a mobile incubator. Lucas, what is a mobile incubator? It's a mobile recording studio inside a vintage 1957 Shasta camper trailer. And I pull that with a 1973 Canadian military ambulance. It's, uh, well, it's uh, like nothing you've seen before. We're actually having a rally of those in Minneapolis on August 24th. It is a private invite-only event, but reach out if you are interested in that. Uh, Today's episode actually starts two years ago on my very first voyage with the mobile incubator. Uh, One of the very last places I visited was the Worm Farm Institute in Reedsburg, Wisconsin. So I pulled into this tiny town of just a few thousand people, and I sat down to have tea with Jay and Donna Neuwirth, who run this really innovative nonprofit called Worm Farm, and they explore this rural-urban divide that is obviously happening in our country, and how culture is imported and exported across that divide. And I think especially in rural areas, it's because of the local food movement that we're able to interest people in coming over here because they're already interested in food and where it comes from and they already belong to a CSA or go to a um, co-op or something and now we get them out for a whole day of immersion. Now over the course of that conversation two years ago Donna said something that really stuck with me. But it's also good for the locals um, because they see what is valued and it's like nine dollar pickle jars. (laughs) Very high-end food. And that is the topic of today's episode. Would you pay $9 for a jar of pickles? When do pickles, or any food for that matter, transcend a commodity and become something more? What makes food twice the price? Is it even the same thing as food if we're paying double? When is a tomato not just a tomato? You see, you'd think that there are rules on this that basic economics would drive the price, right? Surely organic, fair trade, shade-grown coffee beans, carefully roasted, and fresh ground. They must be more valuable than a can of Folgers, right? Or we have cage-free eggs from chickens raised free-range, nibbling on the worms and seeds of their natural habitat. Those eggs taste better, right? But are we buying the taste, or are we buying the story? Or both? So this question's been in my head ever since that conversation with Jay and Donna, and it's in the head of most of us when we go to the grocery store, let alone a farmer's market. And it's definitely inside the head of any small grower or small food producer. To find this answer, I had to come back to Reedsburg, Wisconsin. Now, Wisconsin is where I spent a great deal of my childhood. And for the most part, it's farm country. Imagine rolling hills of crops with 
big old oak trees in between and cows many 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 cows one one and a quarter million cows actually and although there are cities like milwaukee and madison and minneapolis and chicago are right over the borders for the most part wisconsin is almost entirely farm country personal bias here i grew up on those farms tossing hay bales milking cows petting barn kitties farm is like it's in my blood both sides of my family actually were farmers so as i said i needed to go back to wisconsin to answer this question I was invited by Jay and Donna to come to Fermentation Fest, which is a week-long celebration of all things decaying, uh, an entire journey that takes you about four hours to drive to all the different locations where they have workshops and public art and performances. This is all really cool, perfect for the mobile incubator, but I also needed a ride-along to come with me and interview people. So I went out and I reached out to the truest Wisconsinite I know. Uh, today's guest is... My name is Suzanne Gerlach. I live in Prairie Farm, Wisconsin. I have a business named Goodroot Growers. It's a small, seasonal greenhouse. Um, I had the delightful experience of raising Lucas Spivey. <laughs> uh, you raised him? What, like a chicken? Uh, I birthed him, too. You birthed him? Yes. I was there for that. I remember that. You were. Well, the surprise here is that Suzanne is my mom, but there's nobody better to talk about local food than my mom. Not only does she have a greenhouse, she essentially lives off the land. She and my stepdad, they have about 25 acres where they garden hundreds of different edible veggies, herbs, and fruit. She raises chickens, she's raised lambs, they make maple syrup, they forage for mushrooms and ginseng. They hunt turkey, deer, and other critters too. And if they can't find it on their land, they trade with the locals. Like uh, they trade with the Amish for homemade noodles or bread. And they buy on a first name basis from the local brewer, butcher, baker. So is it any surprise that when I asked my mom, what is your favorite pickles? She said, I like garlic pickles. Do you like them spicy? Yep. We do put some cayenne in our pickles. Mm. Homegrown cayenne? Yes. Homegrown garlic? Yes. Homegrown dill? Yes. Everything homegrown? Uh, we do buy the vinegar. <laughs> <laughs> My mom knows where all her ingredients come from. But for most of us, especially in the cities, we don't know where our food comes. There's a disconnect. Most of us care about what we eat, but it's nearly impossible to know who touched our food, who planted it, who nurtured it, who used what pesticides or what seeds or what fertilizers. And maybe most of us don't need to know that info in order to have lunch, but but some of us do, like this woman who came into my mom's greenhouse to buy some cucumbers. And so she called me and asked if I had something available down at the greenhouse, and she drove over an hour to come down and see me. And I hear a story about how her daughter had an illness, and it was really, really important to her. She wanted to make sure that everything that went into her garden um, was naturally grown, no pesticides, no synthetic fertilizers, really important uh, for the health and well-being of her daughter and grandchildren. Um, and I had another customer come in and they started talking about cucumbers. And long story short, this the second woman um, took the first woman's email down and sent her her grandmother's pickle recipe. <laughs> and that kind of exchange is just so rich, uh, get those little tastes of um, humanity. 
So for that woman who had the pickle recipe, and now for the other woman who she gifted that recipe to, a pickle is not a pickle. A pickle is not a pickle. No. <laughs> <laughs> now, why do you say that? Like, because if you go get a hamburger and you order it with pickles, you don't select a different... You just say, give me the pickles. You have pickles. Mm-hmm. Um... Because it's it, it it carries the love of that person that shared it and that generosity. But there's a second reason why we'd pay nine dollars for a jar of pickles, because a pickle is not a pickle. Why do you think people are so picky about pickles? I've had bad pickles, right? Mm-hmm. Like we've all They're had a soft and kind of yellowy looking, yellowy gray. Like those those gas station ones in the big jar. And you're like, what is this? Pickle on a stick. It's like rubbery and yellow. Like we're talking about how a pickle supersedes a commodity. There's a there's a hierarchy to pickles. I think I think when we think about a gallon of gasoline, we think, oh, it's just a gallon of gasoline. But even gasoline, which is like a true commodity, mm-hmm. has different qualities. It can have higher octane or lower octane. It can be it can be bad gas that can actually hurt your engine. So like even commodities are not true commodities, but then for a pickle, I mean, if someone came up to you and said, hey, would you like a pickle? We might ask. Where'd you get it? Yeah. I think you can tell when a product is a commodity when it starts getting thrown away at the end of the picnic. And boom, there's a second reason. Not all pickles are created equal. Why would we throw food away? Because it's no longer delicious or nutritious. It's not even the food that we wanted it to be at the beginning. When is a jar of pickles worth $9? And we're talking about rural Wisconsin here. This is not, in New York City, $9 for a jar of good pickles? Sure. What about $9 for a jar of pickle in rural Wisconsin? I think you buy the $9 jar of pickles from your neighbor that you know uh, has integrity and that is proud of their product and uh, uses good quality ingredients and uh, cares very deeply about the process in which those pickles were created and writes that handmade label. Uh, there's a lot of love and care that goes into that. It's, it's a really high-end product. And you want to support your neighbors. So there you go. The two reasons why you buy $9 jar of pickles. One. It's a really high-end product. And two. And you want to support your neighbors. So for today's episode, we're going to dive deep into these two answers. And this gets to the science and the art of pricing cultural products like pickles. There is a science to it. What is the going rate for this particular creation? And is it objectively better? Better pickles, maybe it's organic, or it comes with a drink ticket too. That's actually a reasonably scientific economic way of pricing. But then there is the art of pricing, and that is all about story. What is the story of this cultural product? Is it fair trade, shade grown? Is it from sustainable ingredients, ethically made? Maybe you relate to the personal life or the political stance of the person who made it. Maybe it's local and that matters to you. So I grabbed my mama and we went down to Reedsburg and we asked over 100 people one question. What local food would you pay double for and why? So what do you think the biggest answer was in Wisconsin? 
what product I would pay double for anytime, cheese. And I would pay double for cheese. Really good cheese. A lot of cheese. A lot, a lot of cheese. Of cheese. So what's your favorite cheese? Do you have a favorite cheese variety? Curds. Curds. Cheese curds. I would be willing to pay double for cheese curds. And I'm going to have to stick with the classic of saying cheese curds on like a fresh Saturday morning. I'm going... hearing a lot of curds. Oh, yeah. All right. And are they so good you would pay twice oh, for them? Triple. <laughs> Chocolate fudge cheese. Oh, it just tastes so awesome. And you know it's cheese. Come on, it's about the fun. No, actually, they have the cheese curds too, which is awesome. But, you know, I had to pick something different. <laughs> no surprise that cheese was the biggest answer. We are the dairy state, after all. We love cheese. So if cheese was number one, what do you think was next biggest? Hi, I'm Vicki from Dousman, and I personally would pay double for cheese. And my husband over there is a beer drinker, so I'm sure he would support the local economy. <laughs> Hi, my name's Lori, and my uh, favorite product around this area would be beer. So after cheese and beer, we had a whole slew of other food and food products that are worth twice the price to people. I really like local honey. Local apples. Locally made chocolate. Local jams, jellies. I would be willing to pay double for wild rice. Peppers. Corn. For sweet corn. Corn on the cob. And I'm Rosemary from Milwaukee, and I would pay double for potatoes. Love them. <laughs> Hi, my name is Tucker Dylan Michael, and we always eat locally. Uh, I'm thinking in hunting season, I like it when people bring the, the deer sausage over. It's nice to know where it comes from and how the animals are treated. Tell me, Mama, uh, Thanksgiving's coming up. What are you going to do for a turkey? So every year we buy a turkey from that's locally grown. Um, the process of buying local can be... Uh, challenging and you'll have to call her and say Katie I want a turkey for Thanksgiving she'll say how many pounds and she'll want a deposit for it because this is a lot of money and there's a lot of income for her but a turkey might cost you 75 to 80 maybe even up to a hundred dollars for um, a heritage uh, organically fed turkey so she'll let you know when the butcher date is and she might want you to pick it up right away if you want a fresh turkey. You Thanksgiving at my mom's house is not to be missed, or really any meal for that matter. It's always an amazing cornucopia of locally made and locally grown foods. It's amazing. The meat is just, it's different. It tastes different. It looks different. It cooks different than a turkey from the store. The, if you're into eating any of the organs, the organs are much cleaner. They're larger. They taste better. They're not just filters for gross food and antibiotics that they put in their water every day. Um, the meat browns different. It's crispier. There's, the fat is healthier. You'll see nice layers of yellow fat on the animal instead of this weird white gooey stuff. Um, and now that I know a little bit more about it, they wash it with chlorine. They actually use bleach water to wash those turkeys. Um, they also inject it with salt water. So you're buying the weight of the turkey. You're buying salt water instead of actually turkey meat muscle. It, it is complete, it's a completely different animal. 
some food is worth twice the price or more because it's literally not even the same food. You you take a, a bite of like the first spinach that came in that year and it is the best. That was the best asparagus I've ever had. I didn't know asparagus could be that good. And I would be willing to pay double for uh, locally grown tomatoes. Uh, I know that they're hopefully going to be fresh. Yeah, not sit in a warehouse for ages. Wouldn't you say that fresh fish is a completely different product than old fish? Let me ask you, would you buy old fish at half off? Would you even take a smelly, rank old fish if I gave it to you for free? Would you take a disgusting, rotten fish even if I paid you? That's because bad quality food isn't even food anymore. I would be willing to pay double for locally sourced peaches. How come? Because fresh peaches off the tree are like absolutely fabulous compared to the three-week-old underripe peaches that they've pretended to ripen in the grocery store. Some foods can be unhealthy, dangerous, or even illegal to sell. The quality of local food can be so much better that it warrants paying more, even twice as much, because it's an entirely different experience. Well, what specifically makes local food objectively better? Local honey contains local pollen, which means you're inoculated against some of the local allergens. Local veggies have more vitamins, maybe, but they also lose vitamins every hour they're on the truck. Wild local game is an entirely different taste. Local cheese curds have that nice squeak. So foods can get less nutritious and less delicious every mile they travel. But let's say you can ship a potato or a bottle of beer so fast that it doesn't lose any deliciousness or nutritiousness. Then imported and local are the same thing, right? Well, no. Enter reason number two, story. Two, my mom grows rhubarb in her garden. And so when I get to come home and take fresh rhubarb back with me, and make rhubarb crisp or all kinds of different things. That's great. So I'm thinking you probably don't have to pay your mom for the rhubarb. No. Right? <laughs> no. I get it with love. Yeah. <laughs> so I think the biggest difference between these two reasons is that one is about price and the other is about pricelessness. Price is the science behind everything. The person searching for delicious and nutritious is still going to go out and find the cheapest price. But if you're looking for the best story, that could be anywhere from double to triple or even free. And that's because it's not about price anymore, but pricelessness. Hi, my name is Tom Miller, and I'm originally from Dayton, Ohio. And I just moved here three weeks ago to Green Bay, Wisconsin. And I'm here on a tour. And the question is to me is what would I want in my local community that I would pay double for? And I think one thing that um, is priceless is having good neighbors and good friends and that is priceless to me. Price is all about the science of it, the math really. How does certain qualities add up to a price? And what is the going rate for everything else around it that's comparable? That's reasonably scientific, economic, mathematical, whatever you want to call it. But that just establishes the floor of the price, the very lowest that someone would pay. The highest, the ceiling, well, that changes by the person. And that's because the story changes in power depending on who you're talking to and what about that story matters to them. I like to buy cheese as a Wisconsin gal, you know, it's part of my blood. Um, and I look for places that are very local, like I do my best to try and support local businesses. Okay. And why, why? Why I is think that it's, important? 
I think it's important because these people are from your area and they're showing how much they care about your business and just supporting the people around us because we support them and they feed us. Now, this is the reason behind Small Business Saturday, Shop Local, and all the other societal level pushes to keep your dollars in circulation locally. I view eating local as a way of voting and changing the world, so I put my money where I want to see the change, and food is a great way to do it. You see, voting with your dollar means you don't make the final decision, but you do contribute, and that is where story comes in. That is the power of a group of people coming together. If you are selling that food, you have to tell the story. This is the art of sales. Now, when I think about story, I think about what this one woman said about bread. My favorite food locally is bread because a lot of love goes into making it. When you need the bread, a piece of your soul goes into every single turn of that loaf. And I think you pass along that love when people eat your bread. You know, the, the hard work that goes into it means a little bit more, so I'm willing to pay that extra, you know, a few dollars, whatever it may be, to support the local communities because, you know, that's, uh, even through hard times, that's how communities come together, is supporting one another. So I think, to me, that's what makes a difference. Wisconsin is a wonderful place. Uh, I call our area, we oughta instead of they oughta. If you need to get something done, do it. And then I wonder about what my mother said. I think touching the earth is very hopeful. There's a promise with each seed that you plant. <clears throat> and I am never disappointed. It gives me hope every time I plant a seed and knowing that this seed turns into great abundance. Nothing is held back. The abundance of life and love and friendship and it's all it's all recorded in a small seed. And that's when I realized that I am my mother's nine dollar jar of pickles. I didn't I didn't know if you were talking about a plant or you're talking about me. You, you definitely give me hope also. <laughs> Do I need a lot of fertilizer? No, you don't. A lot of bullshit? You, 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 uh, you've got a ready-made store. <laughs> <laughs> Wish you could have been in this episode. Well, it's stupid easy. Just call or text 978-712-8858. That number again is 978-712-8858. And whoever put me on a telemarketing uh, call list with <laughs> what is the Ask a Hustler hotline, um, I hate you, but uh, I do answer that phone or I take texts on it, 978-712-8858, or Instagram me or Facebook message me at Culture Hustlers. Tell us your name, your city, your business, if you have one, and get on this podcast. And if you like this podcast, I want you to check out other podcasts too. You can follow the travels and the life stories of the Mobile Incubator on the Instagrams, Facebook, and CultureHustlers.com. Check out more podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Spotify, probably. Uh, our, I want to thank Adana and Jay Newark from the Worm Farm Institute for sponsoring this episode. I want to thank my mom and my stepdad for joining me on the ride. And 
Our theme today is by the very talented Mr. Otis McDonald, and this is Lucas Spivey wishing you lots of love from Reedsburg, Wisconsin. Hub and Spoke Audio Collective. <laughs>